So, um, basically we have about 45 minutes and I thought uh, maybe a question-answer kind of interaction may be a better option uh, because knowledge is infinite and frankly it's very difficult to contain it into few words. But just to let the ball rolling, what I'll do is I'll share some of the insights and uh, understanding that I have uh, got through the uh, long journey of yoga. So, uh, one of them is, um, <clears throat> you know, the way we look at the human body itself. Uh, when I went through my medical school, and I suppose that's how it is in most of the medical schools, uh, I got an understanding that this body is uh, nothing but, you know, it's all matter, chemicals, and that's it. And I am part of this. Uh, somewhere, I am this body, and I am this chemical, I am this, you know, babbling neurons, and I think it's me and it's not a very good uh, feeling you get, you know, that um, I'm just this body, nothing else. So it also raises questions about the validity of me, myself, forget about my experiences and everything else. Many questions. So that's how the journey began. And then one of the first things that I discovered and uh, which yoga teaches us, which I find is something of very capital importance is that the self is not the body. Uh, sounds very strange. There is something in our through our subjective spaces which we can discover as as concrete, even more concrete than the body, which is other than the body. So then the relation changes of me, as I call myself, and the body itself. <clears throat> For example, when I am identified with the body, I am always full of anxieties and fears. What may happen to it? And I rush here and there to somehow preserve it. Uh, I must survive at whatever cost, whatever way. But when I separate myself and know that the self is not the body, then I look at it like a tool or an instrument which has to be set right. It doesn't mean I become neglectful of it. But one thing I know that whether this body stays or not, I am. So it's a fundamental vantage point. You know, because... The, the sense of existence is very deep-rooted in us as humans. And we identify with different things and say it's me. But all these things with which we identify are, if we look at very clearly, are very temporary, are mutable, they are ever-changing. So we need to hold to something more stable, more, you know, something which doesn't, is not affected by the flux and flow of time. So this cell which I am speaking of is that. It's not a psychological cell which also changes. Because, you know, morning I am one person and evening I may be another person. But is there something stable and enduring? So this was the first knowledge of yoga, not just a theoretical knowledge. As you, theoretical knowledge is just to start with. And then you shift inward and you discover something very different and very unique, more concrete than anything else. So it takes away the fear and sting of life. This feeling of being pursued like a hunted animal by countless uh, forces, <laughs> material and otherwise. Then normally in medical school, we look at body as a set of you know material processes, chemicals and all their interactions. And it's, it's valid in its own field. It's not that this knowledge invalidates this one. It's like uh, we look at a computer and it has all the parts and processes and we need to understand it and wonderful. But we can also look at the body from purely an energy perspective. I tell you how it changes uh, our understanding of the way we look at 
the body and uh, its uh, and and its workshop so for example normally we nowadays emphasize upon the food food has a relevance to the body but from a yogic perspective food has to be resolved into something more fundamental it's energy so the reason certain foods um, are not very good is because they make the energy dull they make it heavy for example stale food or food which is already subject to disintegrating forces you know food which is rotting it's not good simply because it is a, a hub of disintegrating energies even bacteria and viruses you can look at it from the point of view of energy it's very amazing way of looking at it and therefore when you take certain foods which have been stored for long which have been uh, you know heated and heated over and over again or which is rotting it is going to be harmful whether we know the exact nature of bacteria or not it will make the consciousness dull and heavy it's not very conducive for our health and growth and then there are foods which increase the vitality it's full of energy all kinds of energy so we have animal foods full of animal energies we have vegetable plant food which are full of the mere the energy which sustains life so it's not that one has to be vegetarian or non vegetarian depends on what kind of energy i want so if i am a warrior probably i would want to have meat you know i want uh, energy which can give me aggression but if i want to be a meditating monk i would probably say that i want energies which are quieter in nature see the difference uh, in in you know so we don't look at it just as vitamins and calories and minerals we look at it as an energy system then there are foods which create a sense of lightness and balance a state of harmony like fresh fruits something you know which which contains within us a principle of harmony so now not only foods we eat from the yogic perspective energy enters into the body not only through food but through every sense so everything that i see is an energy meaning that why it's going to influence the way my bodily system is going to work because i am taking in myself a kind of energy a packet of energy so if i really want to be conscious about my health i have to be careful about what i am seeing equally what i am hearing we must have seen certain kinds of music spontaneously make us tap on the floor certain kinds of music make us become as if quieter there is something going on inside but something more quieter some kind of music mother speaks of beethoven for example make you feel uplifted suddenly as if you are ascending 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 towards greater joy and felicity so it's not just the sound that we hear which also means in our everyday interaction the way we speak the consciousness and the forces we project on to people we may harm them unwittingly of course a lot of harm is done in this world uh, without wanting to or we may help people so sometimes when we simply say oh don't worry everything will be okay you know those great words of the doctor we now hardly get to hear i don't know <laughs> magical words when we didn't have google to search for our disease or you know the face which we look at you know while the doctor is reading the um x-ray the patient is reading the doctor's face uh, and the nurses and you know when they look at a serious face uh, the patient is already formed in his mind that look you know i am probably going to die <laughs> it's something serious <laughs> now you see what is happening by this out 
sight and the way a doctor speaks you are getting an information input through these two systems which are very very crucial and critical in everyday life we don't realize how how important this is how to use this system and the energies that are entering into me are giving me an information that look you know i am suffering from something serious and the whole body begins to work in that direction precisely because now the body has this input it's not about actually the prescription and you know that is dealing with the material aspect which is important as i said but the energy with touch there are different kinds of touches there are touches that heal there are touches that harm there are touches which can be indifferent touches and they have an impact upon us smells taste everything that we take inside the human body is an energy the speech its speech is a direct the most uh, powerful expression of energy states within us so you know when we say someone we should be careful because unwittingly we are contributing to the patient person's well being or you know harming so we can look at the whole thing as an energy system and it can go as far as not just the food we are eating but the person who is cooking it in india we have this uh, i'm sure it's everywhere that which is the best food well mom's food is the best food you know you know it's not the hotel food <laughs> mom's food is the best food and <laughs> ask anyone why is mom's food the best food it is simply because there is something mixed in it which nobody else can mix and that is love that's the will that you know my child should really do well with everything that a mom does even when she's angry this uh, will is there inside and uh, uh, that aspect which goes into the making of food now we can go it still further into the growing of food you know i can grow and sell food from the uh, consciousness of just making money or i can grow and sell food that look you know it's given to me to uh, feed those who are hungry and there is a prayer added in it and that's why ultimately when we take something in because you can't we can't uh, control all these things it's not possible because we can't let's say we go to a place and food is being served there is some music going on you can't tell everybody that please or you can't isolate yourself and say no i want only this music somebody else will be unhappy so in the yogic system there was a very interesting trump card you know in 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 when you play cards there is the master card and that master card you can it can be of any value it's up to you how you want to use it so there is a uh, cushion a buffer a master card within us and that's what yoga teaches us and that is the master card of the one it's called the power of the one so it doesn't matter you may call that one by any name no name it's really not important but ultimately because everything comes from the one and changes into various forms of energy systems we may say harmful helpful it's our way of looking at it forces of disintegration forces of construction but when you somehow connect them to the one it begins to uh, you know it's like you are calling the master of all the forces and energies right by your side you know when you have a lion attacking you and there is a tamer who suddenly comes then the whole thing changes because he knows 
here is my tamer i need to obey him he won't obey us but he will obey the tamer so this one is the master of all the energies and forces in the world so one thing which can always be done is when we go to a place when we eat something when we are in the midst of surrounding when we are with crowd or a single person does depends on you know all human beings are energy system and release energies and absorb energies but we keep on offering and calling the one now when we keep on offering and calling the one it's not some kind of a you know uh, ignorant devotion or uh, worship you know it's a it it's a scientific process of bringing into active contact this one who can actually take care of all these energies how it is it that's where the marvel lies it's amazing i mean and i can tell you countless experiences where wherein if you invoke the one it changes the whole nature of things it's not physically it will be the same thing but it will change inwardly intrinsically the nature of things now to practice this calling the one initially we use some you know it's like you want to practice something uh, piano you go to a piano school so you have you know um, uh, churches and um, temples and mosques and so on and so forth but when you have practiced it you don't need any of these things because the one is everywhere this is the another fundamental discovery and he understands or it understands the way you want to call it or she understands all the languages and every possible thing in the world so this forming an active contact with the one in a state of health and obviously in a state of illness is a very very powerful question i have seen working in the ashram people how they leave the body how they face illnesses it's amazing because i have worked in a hospital and i have seen when people are ill how they react and i have seen a very different uh, perspective here it's like as if illness is nothing i have seen people smile even when they are you know imminent death and while such people are everywhere but it's amazing and one wants to discover what is it that makes you smile you know that famous uh, story about um, elizabeth when all the peasants have come and they they want their bread and she is on her deathbed i believe it's the mother's own previous life and she she is advised by the doctors queen please don't get up and go because you may die and she says but death can wait <laughs> who can say that it's only when you are rooted in that self that you can say that so you don't have to look like a yogi or wear the dress like a swami that's not important it's the inner state with which we are in communion with and if we are in contact with that it changes the entire system so on one side we have to understand the play of energies which are entering and leaving the system it's good to have that knowledge and as far as possible consciously avoid energies which are going to be harmful you know if you meet people who are just abusive and abrasive it's not a very good thing uh, or we ourselves when we are being abusive and abrasive we are not doing good to the world so this this is a basic fundamental thing if we play some beautiful harmonious music it is helping me it doesn't matter you know um, uh, the processes and the why and the hows they are being discovered now but this thought that music can help you has been known since ages music has a healing power and the first music that we all have is our speech it's a god gifted music you know would you say the mother's heartbeat well yes yes 
So, but this is something where we can we can actively play. So it's the music given to us, and we we should train this musical instrument and use it to project vibrations and energies. And the third and the last thing is that it's not only in an energy system, but there are states of consciousness. If you want to use the word psychological, fine, which impact matter. This also is being now recognized. If I am depressed. now it is impacting my material system because the information that is being given to my entire body is you know what happens when you are depressed you feel well life is not worth living so all these cells are getting this information it's not worth living it's not worth living it's not worth living so what do they do they start triggering cytokines and many other things which may be more which will work towards destruction because they they are, they are just obeying the master it's not their fault on the other hand if i give a message to the body if i am in a happy state of consciousness when i feel life is worthwhile then i am giving a different message to the cells so the take home point is number 1 we should be careful about the states of consciousness in which we are drifting depression is something which is should be the most unwelcome guest unfortunately we fall in love with it because falling in love with depression is to fall in love with myself <laughs> i i am misunderstood i am not liked i am this i am that but instead we should say it doesn't matter what people think about me or i have i take charge of myself and i love myself regardless of you know what people think or say so this states of consciousness there are yogic processes to take care of these states of consciousness yoga is ultimately about uh, manipulating these states of consciousness so where there is pe- uh, where there is um, uh, you know hatred there what is the teaching of yoga you bring love you know that famous uh, christ from his cross is saying forgive them for they know not what they are doing it's it's a powerful yogic process by which you replace a moment of anger and hatred which an ordinary human being would be subjected to by the powerful vibration of compassion and love and this is the practice of yogic teachings all practitioners of yoga are uh, taught this that if somebody says something insulting to you don't uh, react in this way that you know i don't care and you go and see the mirror or whatever else you simply see this state entering into us like a miasm and you bring in compassion that maybe you know he doesn't understand what harm he is doing to himself and to others you know those who are jealous and angry they hurt themselves before they can hurt someone else so this is the way of life wherein we look into our states of consciousness and every day practice to make our consciousness clear and clean there are moments when we feel so dull obscure and angry for no reason it means the consciousness has become very dull and obscure it's not in a good state there are moments when we are totally confused we don't know what to do it means the consciousness is not clear so bring clarity how does clarity come how does consciousness grow so according to yoga beyond the human frame of consciousness means whatever we can experience as human beings there are ranges of consciousness of which we are ordinarily not aware we have heard their names and we want it 
for example peace all of us want peace but normally what we understand by peace is when we go to a nice place and for a moment we feel peaceful or maybe the dead man's peace which is not a peace or when we just sleep off we think it's peace but often we get up with as much heaviness but there is a peace which is beyond the human dimension which we can tap into many yogic processes are turned towards tapping into these higher states of consciousness which yogis experience naturally and normally but we don't so we there are ways and means for instance concentration meditation uh, aspiration even imagery the ways and means by which we open a door and start tapping these higher states of consciousness which begin to impact us then we discover the power of peace peace is not just a word actually lot of pain or suffering one may be experiencing and if you call peace you'll see its impact physical impact the pain begins to first as if you know there is a solvent which is acting and it's dissolving as if a knot is opening up and after some time if you are a practitioner of yoga and accustomed to calling peace you just wonder where did it vanish and i can tell you without need of any analgesics so many times countless time i have experienced and i'm sure many others have experienced the power of peace we are in an environment where you know there is threat and nowadays you know there is threat everywhere <laughs> from various quarters so what do we do just call peace and if we get surrounded by this atmosphere of peace we will walk through the danger and while things may be happening around us but we'll go unscathed it's like it just it's like a zone which nothing penetrates it's so powerful so we must every day build an atmosphere of peace and goodwill around us because if you have never tried it then suddenly one day we try it then it doesn't work it may work because you know if we call with a great intensity it may work but it's much better that every day we spend 10 15 minutes in tapping into these higher states of consciousness higher kinds of energy higher reservoirs of light it's like we have gone past the fossil fuels into the solar energy 100 years back or 200 years back nobody knew that there is an inexhaustible source of energy which we are not using it doesn't charge as far as i know sun doesn't charge us for that though we charge for using its energy <laughs> we make money out of it well none of them water doesn't charge itself petrol doesn't charge itself <laughs> nature doesn't take charge nature only wants us to be happy she is a lovely mother and when we smile nature says i am very happy but human beings add to it dollars and rupees and that's where the problem starts <laughs> okay so this is just a uh, you know background and uh, any questions if you ask or anything you wish to respond to yes please so my mother is 102 years old wow depression is a part of her life um losing her mental yes. acuity is yes. a part of her life yes. and when i talk to her she says i'm ready for death um and yet uh i don't know why i'm still here so with your insights into this 
Yes, it's a very, very good question and several times we face this issue. Uh, now, first I'll take it in a general way, then what could be done in particular. If I am alive, there is still something to do. <laughs> That's the first part. And that something to do may not necessarily be, be physically because we're doing we think physically. So we get very depressed when our physical faculties begin to fail. We can't hear, we can't, you know, uh, we can't walk steadily, we can't do things ourselves, we can't see. So we begin to believe that I can't do anything. But that I, that's what I said, it's because we are so identified with the body that the moment the body begins to break, I believe I am breaking down. So there are things we can do which do not need the active participation of the body, which are not only as important, but Perhaps more important, but we have never paid attention to it. So I had a child who at 14 was suffering from this progressive muscular dystrophy, inevitable death, who raised the same question. So he was very depressed, contemplating suicide. And he said the same thing, I cannot do. What other children can do? For example, he said, you know, other children, they can climb trees, they can cycle and play cricket. I said, yes, I understand. Is this something you can do which others can also do? He said, yes, for example, I can read books. I said, good. Is there something which you can do better than others precisely because you are not active in the body? Then he, within a few seconds, intuitively, he said, I can think, I can pray, I can meditate. So what happens when the elderly, you know, um, go through these processes, we get more and more focused only on the bodily care. Uh, bodily care is important, but it's equally important to show them that there is another direction to life. I'm sorry, I had to keep it on because uh, as a doctor, I may just get a call. So now I'm, I put it on silent, but I still may have to attend. <laughs> so, uh, what is important is to show them that there are things we can still do which are very important and perhaps that is the reason why we are in the situation we are in. Because we are called upon to do something which maybe we may not have done with the depth and the intensity it deserves. And that's why we are still alive and there is a purpose. Second thing which elderly people need, this is one part, this is the most profound part, is the sense of dignity, love and respect. Now I am sure you are giving it, I have no doubt about it. But very often in, in, in homes of the elderly, for example, I have seen. So they just start feeling that I am a burden. And they need this reassurance from people around that, look, you know, we want you to be here because it helps us. We love you. We treasure your love. We treasure the moments we spend with you. So this is the second part of it that, you know, they need to hear this. <laughs> it has to be reinforced uh, several times because, you know, uh, maybe after a few days they again feel because, you know, naturally... Uh, they don't like that our all their life they are trained to take care of the children. And suddenly they see their child is, you know, taking care and uh, they feel miserable that, you know, my child has to do these things. You may be 70, but you are still a child. <laughs> my child has to do these things for me and, you know, I am a burden. So they have to be reminded you are not a burden, it's a joy. Third is, a good activity is to maybe read something together, maybe 15-20 minutes, something uplifting. Something very beautiful. 
because obviously they can't read themselves but they can hear yeah it's, it's oh then that is something very good yeah. but there are people who can't read for various reasons you know concentration is failing now very often people think that well they can't remember they can't understand that's not the issue it's an energy which is going so as i said it's not important whether they are understanding actively or participate maybe when you are reading something beautifully they may just doze off it's okay not to worry about it but still that energy and that atmosphere is surrounding them one of the best things that i found is just to play some beautiful music in the environment so that you know it it creates a kind of envelope around them and every time they speak of things like depression and all that to remind them how valuable their life is still to us not just that their life has been valuable that of course is one part of it but that doesn't satisfy a human being <laughs> what about today and how valuable it is just for their their presence so at various levels we can intervene what happens many times doctors you know focus on the physical or on the medication that you know and well we are reaching the limits of the body let's realize it so when we reach our limits then there is a very interesting proverb when you face a wall then change and pass through <laughs> so when we reach the limits and that is the time to break through into the limitless into another dimension of existence so i think that's in a in a very nutshell how we should do when we are face to face with the elderly one very important sense organ which is very active right up to the end which we don't fully utilize is the anyone power of which sense give hearing is there eyes are there but something very intimate gives you the sense of intimacy touch that's why there is a word called the healing touch i have seen people in coma suddenly quiver when somebody very dear very lovingly just holds the hand is a twitch and now there are studies of course mri you actually please touch please don't lose out on this faculty even after somebody has just departed is not a dead body just hold the hand and sit by the side these gestures have such a great importance so touch this we miss out on this especially you know in a busy i have seen it in even hospitals hospice care you know people speak they say nice things but for some reason they don't touch you know in old times what doctors used to do when they came home they would touch in india this was very if the doctor touches the head and says everything will be fine we used to take it that god has said <laughs> he was like god <laughs> now god has become businessman but that's a different thing <laughs> but those days when you just touch the head and held the hand uh, they must come back no they were i've i've seen that even with newborn children yes they put them in an incubator exactly everything is connected and yes. you see their heart beating unrhythmically and then it's it's a horrifying I, thing i asked the mother to go and stroke the child suddenly it changes yes. the contact comfort even there are psychological studies that the first 3 years are so important the contact it doesn't matter the warmth you get just the security you get the love you it just passes it's like a direct contact it's you know when you go for putting gas or petrol i am sorry if you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i understand here yeah. 
My yeah. dad and her grandmother yeah. that share everything the same. So, I think so. Yeah. No, no, no. I can understand. Yes, we all go through these states, and 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 it's good for us to. Sometimes, you know, we may not. I mean, are we are not able to do this to our own nearest one because the person is away or whatever. But then it's a knowledge we can share and reach out and touch. Countless hearts that look, you know, must do it. This is so important, so invaluable, right? So <laughs> I understand. I mean, these are states we all experience. It's the sign of our humanness. If we don't experience it, then you know we have to. I always say that um, a disease with which we are suffering from in modern society, since some of you are from the sociological background. Is the diminution of the energy of love? You know, it's so strange. Now, we have many friends on Facebook, WhatsApp, but that that love which flows from the heart reaches out to another is great degree of isolation. We are as if walking in a crowd, and um, we are afraid of strangers. We are afraid of friends. We are afraid of you know so few friends. It's hardly any time. So I suppose we need to awaken. This energy, you know, it's it's a great healing power, the power of love. Sometimes we don't need to say a word, just to hold and feel. I think it was Keats who said, or Shelley who said about stand and stare. We have no time now to stand and stare, so we need to just hold and just stay for a while, just holding. Nothing else. It'll do much greater good than a doctor's prescription of medicine. Yes. I, I work in a drop-in clinic in Eugene, Oregon, and I work with a lot of counselors. And when I walk into the room, I, I sense the energy or the lack of energy. Yes, that would be a better. And their clients, some they never come back because um, the counselor has no energy of their own. Right. And and before I go into to my office, I have to get ready. Right. I have to be at a good place. And sometimes when they the clients come in, I just sit. I say nothing, and they cry, and they laugh, and they get happy, and they thank me, and I did. That that's 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 the power of doing nothing. You see what happens, especially a counselor. Since you mentioned about it, counselor goes through a training process which is extremely mentalized. We are taught the various systems, and we are trapped in another kind of belief system, just like you know in certain kind of belief system. So a counselor is living so much in the head with all his theories that the moment a client comes. His mind has become active. I must. That's why the word, even word used, is analysis. So you are analyzing the patient like you are, you know, in a test tube analyzing some chemical. Every word that he speaks or doesn't speak is being analyzed. So my left brain is extremely active, at the expense of my heart. 
That's not what a client wants. Client doesn't want a label. That, oh, I understand my repressed desires have caused this. That's not the issue. <laughs> the issue is he first wants to be heard. And heard with a compassionate heart. See, uh, hearing is again, hearing, seeing, we spoke about these senses. Which is the sixth sense? The mind. Mind as a all-comprehensive entity, not just the brain. The mind in its totality. That ultimately hears. So one is just listening with the ears and sending this information straight to my left brain. Why? Because I have read some books and I have been trained into a system of therapy. It's, it's the worst way to really approach. You have to break free from these systems because you are dealing with a live conscious human being. <laughs> it's not a system to you know be fitted into a paradigm and uh, proved and convicted. Because when we judge a person, we have convicted the person. So it, a, a therapist has to be very non-judgmental. It is to just listen to human beings with compassion that well, we as human beings uh, have many frailties and we have a lot of issues and uh, it's not about being good or bad, but just to listen and listen with the heart and with the energy of compassion. And I think then doing nothing is doing uh, everything because we allow that compassion to flow quietly into the patient and that heals but we want to give an understanding as to what, mental understanding what's going on inside you know there was a movie very nice uh, um, on Miller's 34 Miller Street you see very old movie amazing movie a 17 year old child you know is being analyzed by a counselor and he said you know you have done some sin and you are repressing it. And he says, what sin? Then he says, okay, I stole some chocolates from someplace. <laughs> and then he meets the real Santa. And he says, what, what you could do as a child? You know, what sin you could do? <laughs> but we as human beings live in a trap of our own systems that we have created. And God laughs at them. He doesn't look at them. He laughs at them because he knows from the totality. So vastness, compassion, love, they are beautiful things with which we probably will need none of these systems if we could just meet a client. The word counselor is a big thing. I always tell people, you are not coming to a counselor, excuse me. It's a friend. Another thing which has corrupted the whole original file of man is the excessive importance given to money. And success. So I know doctors who want to publish papers. That's how they go up the echelons of fulfilling their ambition. How many papers published. How many big forums they are invited to. This is a brutal truth. Isn't it? And uh, they also have to take care of their pockets. Because they also live under the illusion that if I have lots of money I can take care of my children better. But in all this process we lose upon as I said, the energies of the heart. We are advancing on civilization by crushing the heart, which is not a very good thing. We have to refine and purify the heart. Make it something beautiful. But instead, we just repress this energy because if you are emotional, you will end up, you know, probably doing things which are not good. So we become, we are never taught to train and refine the emotional being. So a typical setting is where money plays and when there is money, it's a question of time. I know people who have, okay, I have 20 minutes set apart for you and the clock is ticking. That's not an atmosphere where a person can really share anything with you. 
so i think that's uh, some of the things now the clock reminds me of some of my <laughs> clients <laughs> waiting out there and uh, it's it's such a joy maybe you know <laughs> yes if, if there is anything please feel free to communicate uh, my email is there with shruti and feel free to communicate it's been a joy to meet all of you thank you thank you for the beautiful um, collective energy i i kind of regret not being your patient <laughs> <laughs> the best doctor is the doctor who doesn't see a patient <laughs> not having patient is a good sign in ancient china doctors were paid when they didn't have patients so it will it will be the sign of a family doctor if nobody in the family falls sick okay thank you thank you